Welcome to Health Tech Hustle. We exist to share stories of the brave entrepreneurs helping to solve the most important problems in digital health today. We interview top leaders in health tech and bring them onto our show each week to listen and learn from their story. With your host, Rodney Hu, founder of 209 Digital. Hello and welcome to another episode of Health Tech Hustle. Today I'm joined by a very special guest, Mr. Sapia Alumalai. And just to give a brief background on who he is, he is the Forbes Business Council member. He is also an advisory board member at Rutgers University. He is a merit reviewer and ambassador at PCORI. And he is also the president and CEO at ADAR Health. And so I'm very excited to have him on as a guest. and kind of dig more into his background and what he's working on in the health tech industry. So with that being said, Satya, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Rodney, thank you so much for this opportunity. Very excited to be here. No problem. So let's jump into it. Why don't you uh, give the listeners an idea, uh, a background about who you are and uh, what you're doing in health tech? Absolutely. So I am the CEO. I mean, my primary role is the CEO and founder of ADAR Health where we aim to change the culture of healthcare monitoring. So today we are working towards most important solution for the current COVID-19 pandemic. Although our company is actually a healthcare technology and a digital therapeutics company, we aim to redesign the standards for health monitoring, chronic disease management, and more importantly, clinical trials. Nice. So... Why don't we just give people a background? Because me and you have been trying to schedule this podcast for a minute, but things have been coming up due to the chaos with the whole COVID-19 and coronavirus stuff that's happening in the world right now. So can you kind of give us your perspective and your journey and stuff that you're working on because of this? Yeah, definitely. I think where it all started was uh, I've been always working in healthcare, spent almost uh, 15 years working at uh, initially at Johns Hopkins Medical Institute as a patient safety and quality engineer and as well as a consultant focused on bringing the best quality to patient care and also to improve the patient safety at hospitals. One thing that I've seen is there's a lot of fragmented healthcare procedures and protocols that are there and, and today we really looking at a lot of challenges in healthcare. So after my time at Johns Hopkins, I worked at a data analytics company selling solutions to payers and pharma. I was also introduced to the real world of pharma and payers and, and the challenges there as well. But today we are faced with a much bigger challenge where we are not really prepared for this pandemic, even the best of the hospitals and the health systems in the world are based in the US, but we are the most affected and we are going to get into a phase where we really need to rethink our strategy in terms of how we are addressing our current healthcare needs. How is ADAR Health handling the whole pandemic right now? What are you guys doing? So I think from a business point of view, it has been really challenging for us because uh, we are a startup focused on providing solutions uh, like healthcare solutions, right? So from a business perspective, like we have gotten a lot of delays in terms of executing all our efforts uh, in terms of 
business aspect from doing clinical studies or conducting safety testings or more importantly, fundraising, right? Uh, because of COVID-19, the business or the market is really in a big turmoil right now. So investors who were planning to invest in our company, they all backed out at the last minute, citing the market condition. And uh, some of our clinical trials has been delayed uh, or rescheduled, or we don't know the status of some of them because of the fact that people are not really interested in going to the hospital to get the treatment that they wanted to get and also participate in the studies. And because people had to work from home or most places have been shut down, we're also having challenges getting our employees in and then having them work out of the office. So from a business point of view, there's a lot of challenges, but it is also a blessing in disguise, I would say, because our company is really building a solution that can actually help solve some of the challenges associated with COVID-19, specifically around like detecting the symptoms at a very early stage, because our company is built a single device that can measure more than 10 vital health parameters in just 30 seconds, non-invasively, that measures all the symptoms associated with COVID-19. I'll be happy to discuss this further. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I guess by first glance, when people hear about your device and how it measures certain data from the human body, they're thinking of a thermometer, right? So how does your device different from a thermometer and how does it improve upon that? So basically, let me tell you what our device does. So like we have a handheld, non-invasive, uh, at-home rapid health assessment device. It measures temperature, blood pressure, ECG, oxygen saturation, pulse rate, breathing rate, respiratory flow cycle morphology, pulse rate, ECG, heart rate, heart rate variability, and spirometric lung functions. Everything is built into a single device that can measure everything from the user's breath, saliva, from the mouth, and also from the hand. Because it's a handle device, users hold the device and place it in their mouth uh, between the teeth and lips, more like a scuba mouthpiece, but a little more <laughs> uh, user-friendly, and um, it's normally breathed through the device. And at the end of 30 seconds, the data is actually sent to our secure HIPAA-compliant cloud using 4G. So if a user does not have a smartphone or don't want to connect to one, they could still use our device using the data that is presented from the device. And from the cloud, the data is directly sent back to the patient's phone. And if they wanted their caregivers or care providers to look at the data, we can actually provide the data securely to them using our dashboard or to their respective phones. Nice. So in order to answer your questions in terms of how it is different, like we still measure temperature and it's part of our the suite of measurements that we do today. What makes it really comprehensive is the fact that we are measuring all these different parameters at the same time compared to other variables which measures one or two parameters continuously. We believe in measuring things rapidly. So our like ultimate vision of the company is to collect a whole lot of health information in just 30 seconds without the users wearing any variables or using multiple devices. Great. So did you have a background 
you started in healthcare, you started in technology. In which way did you transition into? So I'm, I'm, I'm actually a trained biomedical engineer, but uh, I moved on from that phase of my life. I started doing research. I was doing cancer research. Then I got into the healthcare setting where providing care to patients uh, at Hopkins. So mostly it's all focused on the healthcare services side. But over the past five years, I've been dedicated towards building this solution for chronic disease patients. And so I've been most of the time, I've been focused on really building the business. So essentially doing everything as a part of running this company. Nice. So you start in healthcare and then you transition into technology and then even more broader is growing a company, growing a business. And so I think what interests me is how did you even come upon this idea of creating this handheld device? I think it's, it's definitely every, every innovator, if you talk to them, they'll just say like, okay, here's a personal need. And without a personal need or without a personal problem, no innovation can be possible. So in my case, I was managing my mom with, who has multiple chronic conditions. And every single time when she gets hospitalized, she always asks me, hey, you have all these healthcare experience. Can you help prevent me from going back to the hospital? And the biggest challenge is we don't have data from my mom or from any individual. It's like you have to take efforts to understand what's the challenges people go through. And and our healthcare system is not really great as well, right? It's, It's focused on one size fits all. What I really mean by that is today, healthcare system does not look at people and their chronic conditions, but they look at them more as, as a product or as, as a problem that needs to be solved. So in my mom's case, like she was using multiple devices and, and uh, every time she gets hospitalized for one reason or the other, that was irrelevant to her current conditions. So that's where what I really wanted to do is to find or build a solution that actually communicates what's happening with my mom's health with me as well as her physician in real time. So the closest thing that I was able to find was a stethoscope, right? Which is the greatest innovation, but it just measures, again, like few aspects of health. That's where we really wanted to find where is the best place in the body where we can collect a whole lot of health information. And that's why we stumbled upon mouth. And then we really believe that mouth is the greatest a location where we can collect a lot of health information because of the fact that we are we have access to breath and saliva, which in turn can give access to many other biological indicators of health. So that's where the the real need and uh, the location and and also the thought process we came up with this device today. Nice. So you started in healthcare and you're seeing that there's problems gathering data without using a bunch of different instruments. And then you have this family experience dealing with your mom and your mom reaching out and asking you for help. And you didn't see any solution to that problem. And so that kind of got the creative and innovative juices flowing in your head, which is how you use technology to create this product and bring that to the market. And so can you describe the process of actually going from brainstorming to actually having a tangible product and being able to offer that? What steps did you have to go through in order to actually produce the device? 
So I think, uh, I mean, understanding the problem, like understanding the need and uh, from when it comes to our case, like first we, we thought like, okay, let's go collect everything from the mouth without any other uh, access point within the body. So we tried it, we went through, we sketched and got few prototypes in place. But the challenge is it's, uh, it's not really possible always to collect from resource from one point. So since the whole patients or the user is holding the hand uh, with their hand, we thought might as well uh, collect some information from the hand through uh, other traditional approaches. So it's more of an iterative process. We identify one problem and then start solving that one problem before we go to the next problem. It's more like how we do research, right? We start from one and then ultimately we, once we solve the first problem, then we get to the next one. In our case, it was um, a more organic process where we looked into some of the parameters that we wanted to target and we start solving that. And once we uh, were successful in that, we started adding more and that's how we came up to 10. And we're working on maybe five or six more things that we plan to add to our device, which is uh, very exciting. Nice. So can you kind of speak to, because you're using the term we a lot. And so I'm interested to see who you're working with and what team members that you've brought on board to help grow this business. So can you kind of speak more on your team a little bit? Absolutely. So when we started, it was just me and my co-founder, Dr. Gene Friedman. So after that, we, it was just, uh, just two of us trying to build this company. But later on, we found many interesting people who really believed in the vision more than anything else. So right now we have the chief nursing officer. She has several years of experience working in the critical care setting because one thing that we saw was like a clinician would be very helpful, but then more importantly, let's bring in somebody who's, who works with us on a daily basis and who has worked with patients every day in critical care setting. So we have... Um, Jenny Matthew, and we have Delara Singh, who is actually a really smart engineer, who has actually worked at Hopkins, and he studied at Hopkins and came into our team. Then we have Ankit Nair, who is also a Hopkins product, I would say, fantastic when it comes to regulatory side of business. And we have GP and uh, Virtual and all of These are all people who really found the technology really personal for them. But more importantly, we also have a great group of advisors who are experts in heart failure at Johns Hopkins uh, and COPD specialists, COPD board members, uh, COPD foundation board members, as well as experts from pharma, experts from clinical trials, and behavior science experts, as well as smoking cessation experts in our team, because we are not just focusing on providing a solution to a condition, but we wanted to provide a solution to help a person. So we treat them not by their condition, but by their personality. Nice. So you have different experts and advisors in all these different categories like tech or healthcare and whatnot. How did you go about finding these people and getting them to buy into what you're doing? And what are the important pillars of your team, whether it's business, whether it's the tech, whether it's the healthcare? What are the important pillars and how were you able to mesh all of them together to form one company? 
I think um, everything was uh, born out of need. So when we're looking for engineers, we we no better place that we can look for is Johns Hopkins. So we found a lot of engineers from here. And um, so from when it comes to pillars, we have different things from engineering side, from the clinical side, from business, and also from a regulatory. Why I say regulatory as a special thing, which is kind of part of business, but I believe for a company like cars was focused on building technologies and we wanted to be regulated. So for us, we really believe like the regulatory aspect is very critical for our company's success. So most of them are people who reached out to us in most cases. We tried hiring people based on the traditional ways, but nine out of 10 people who are part of our company are people who reached out to us. They really bought into the story, bought into the vision of the company. And they also had a personal need to build a technology like what we're building today. So for us, I really wanted to focus on attitude more than the aptitude. So for us, I want to see if somebody's passionate and if somebody can really give in their 100%, then they can learn anything. So that's how pretty much everyone came into our company at a very early stage. Now they are experts in their own field. Oh, that's awesome. How big is your team currently? Right now, we are full-time around 12 of us. 12? Okay, nice. And so I really like how you're able to identify a problem, identify a need, and understand how to craft the solution, and then understand the different parts and pieces of the process that need to be put together and the different team team members that you need to bring on board to make this whole company and this whole business operate. And now that you've established that part, how are you going about connecting with your target audience and communicating the value of your product? Absolutely. So, I mean, when we started, we, we were really in a stealth mode for a long time. But right now, we are using different forums from like our partners, Startup Health, Incubators, and um, several organizations that are really supporting our efforts from major pharmaceutical companies to health systems. We push our message through all of their forum. But more importantly, recently we also connected with AARP and um, they showcased our solution in their March newsletter. And ever since we've been getting like hundreds and thousands of email actually in the, just in the past two weeks, seeking this solution and it's really a great opportunity for us because like today we really believe in our vision of building a solution that can take a multi-parameter or a multi-biomarker approach because until now people didn't really understand why do we have to measure all these things when they don't have to. So for example, a hypertensive patient or like a heart failure patient comes up to me and say, hey, I have issues with only in my heart, why should I have to measure this? other things which is related to my lungs. But often things, our body is one complex system and it's essential for us to measure multiple things at the same time to get a comprehensive picture. So that's where today all the emails that we are getting from AARP members, we see that they all wanted a solution because they have multiple chronic condition. And instead of relying on multiple devices, they can just rely on our one device. 
So we work with our partners, we work with organizations who believe in our vision to actually spread the message. We haven't done any paid <laughs> advertisements or anything of that sort to push our message. So it's all been organic. Nice, organic. And so you mentioned incubators, forums, and you got that partnership with ARP who has your target audience, the older population. And by partnering with them, you're able to get leverage their audience to get your message out in front of them in order to bring awareness back to you. And so how are you going about getting those partnerships? How are you educating them and getting them on board? I think for from our perspective, uh, mostly it has been through uh, various competitions, pitches, grants that are available. And we're trying to do some social media right now to help spread the message. But today, it's really amazing to see that people from different sectors, even from federal agencies, they've been reaching out to us because of the fact that they've seen us somewhere and then they see the value of our device. So from our perspective, we have been trying to do our best in terms of putting our message forward through different forums and pitches. And that is what is actually helping us to get to a larger audience. Nice. So as far as like putting the content out, can you speak to like what kind of content? Is it video content that's engaging with them? Are you doing presentations for people or writing blogs and ebooks type of things? Like how are they consuming? It's mostly pitches and videos at this point. They would love to have somebody write for us if uh, some of your audience or listeners would be interested in helping us out. That'd be fantastic. But uh, from our point of view, we really wanted to focus on visual and and also through podcasts, like with different uh, key stakeholders, we wanted to do some podcasts and, and spread the message. So we really want to invest our time and effort into areas where we have more audience than just investing money in things that are not really worth at this point where we are not even launched. Nice. So really just being able to understand who your ideal target is and how to create content that can get in front of them. That's interesting. And so I know you're still kind of early on, but you've had some success, right? People are aware of you and you won competition and got grants and stuff like that. But can you kind of speak towards some of the obstacles and challenges throughout your journey that you've had to face? Yeah. I mean, every journey has to have uh, a lot of challenges. I think uh, especially a startup, when I jumped into this life, it was really without any prior knowledge. Uh, this is my first startup. So before that, I've been working in bigger organizations. So I was under the assumption that I could just get things done. But as soon as you leave the tag of uh, Johns Hopkins behind and then starts working on your own company, it becomes much more challenging. For us, especially in the, in the earlier stages when we were trying to grow up, we were able to find people or we wasted a lot of time investing on like audience or even investors who were not really interested in investing early stage companies. So some of the challenges was like the device was still looking like a, like a lab project and not really a commercial device. So we had to go through a lot of challenges just to move from lab project to a commercial device. We did a lot of 
iterations with the device. We almost did like four or five different versions of our device before we came to our commercial version. So because of the fact that it was not completely done, there was a lot of challenges trying to raise money and trying to, but the most important thing is the fact that helping people to understand the need for measuring multiple things or multiple parameters was the biggest challenge. And we're still encountering that challenge in terms of helping people understand why it is important. But as I said, today, people are starting to realize how a device like this could be a part of their daily lives and how they could utilize this to help better manage their condition and predict any adverse events or any uh, infections at a very early stage. So we are trying to overcome that challenge through proving it to the world that here's the value and here's the outcome that we could get using our solution. Nice. So I really like the mindset that you have and how you were able to overcome all these obstacles in your journey to get where you're at, because it looks like you're making a ton of progress and providing a very valuable solution to the market and are doing your part in educating people on everything they need to be educated about. And I just want to know what advice can you give to others who want to follow in your footsteps, whether they're a business owner in healthcare, transitioning to technology aspect or starting in tech and transitioning to healthcare? Like what advice can you give to somebody who wants to start their own business in health tech? I think uh, we need to be a risk taker. There's going to be a lot of challenges, but I would say some of the advice is, is learn from mentors, have at least, to, at least a mentor who has done things before. So you should always don't hesitate to ask for help. Just call up people who you know, or you sometimes who you don't know, and then ask for the right help. Because I think you cannot be an introvert <laughs> if you wanted to start a business or if you want to do something in healthcare specifically. And uh, I think I believe in one life and uh, taking the risk at the right time and actually sticking with that is the biggest advan- advice I would say is stay wherever you are with your efforts and, and never give up. I, I know it sounds too cliche, but I think for me, there were several incidents that I could have given up this, but the only thing is the end goal of serving for people and then saving lives is the one that keeps me driving. And uh, I don't care about anything that else that is happening that is a challenge for me. So my biggest advice is never give up and then be a risk taker. Awesome. That is some very valuable advice. <laughs> and so... One, I really appreciate you offering us a deep insight into your journey and what you're doing at ADAR Health and just kind of everything, part of your journey and all the obstacles and accomplishments and milestones that you've encountered along the way. And now coming towards the end of the podcast, I kind of want to end on a more lighter note just to still learn more about you, but not talk as serious and in-depth about what you're doing. So we'd like to finish off with what I call the rapid fire round where I'll ask you a couple questions and you just give me whatever answer you come up with, okay? Perfect. All right, so question one, what is your favorite book of all time? I think in this current scenario, I would say one of the book by John Nancy is like, Why Hospitals Should Fly, uh, The Ultimate Flight Plan, 
to patient safety and quality care. I think this is one of the best books that I've read when I was a quality and safety guy. And I think this is super relevant for today, especially how we can apply aviation safety concepts such as uh, crew resource management in healthcare setting for numerous years. It's just fantastic. Oh, wow. Super relevant. So who is your most influential person in your life or career? I would say Dr. Peter Pronovost and Dr. Chip Davis, two of them who were, I don't know, not, I don't know, in the healthcare setting, they are very well known. Um, they are leaders at Johns Hopkins before. They helped me to get into this space. So today I believe that they are the best mentors and, and people that I look up to, but definitely my mom. <laughs> if not for her, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing with this company. Awesome. What is one goal you want to accomplish this year? Definitely get our FDA clearance so that we can start providing or distributing our device to millions of people. What is one piece of advice you would give to your 20-year-old self? Oh, that's a tricky one. But uh, as I said earlier, I think I would say don't be reluctant to be a risk taker and take on new challenges because that's what is going to take you to the next phase of your life. Awesome. Well, Satya, that concludes our podcast. I just want to say thank you for jumping on and sharing your journey and what you're doing in the health tech industry, ADAR Health, and how your healthcare experience and your conversation with your mom led to that innovation to crafting a solution to solve a specific problem in healthcare and creating that handheld device and just your journey and your mindset going through it and how you had to have multiple versions before you actually had the final product and you had to just keep testing and testing and failing your way to success. And I appreciate the advice you gave on never giving up and taking risks because we need more people with the mindset that you have if we want this world to be a better place if we want to encourage change. So I really just want to thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Rodney, for this opportunity. And for listeners, uh, if you guys have any questions or if you'd love to be a part of our efforts in terms of tackling COVID-19, please reach out to us. We have a solution and we need brighter minds and investors who wanted to put in some money to help with this effort. Please reach out to us. Uh, you can directly reach out to me at uh, my email address, S-E-L-U-M-A-L-A-I at adar.com. Thanks again for the opportunity, Rodney. This, is, this has been a blast. No problem. Do you have a website that they can visit? Yeah, absolutely. It's www.aidar.com. They can also find us all on our social media, adar.health, Instagram, or adarhealth at Twitter, and also on Facebook. Awesome. Thanks for hopping on, man. Yeah, take care. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Health Tech Hustle with Rodney Hu, founder of 209 Digital. Tune in next week for another interview with an expert leader in digital health.